HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Domain. Domain offers discreet and secure storage, transportation, trading, and advisory services to passionate fine wine collectors worldwide. For more information, visit DomainStorage.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. You're listening to In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Joe Campanelli. I'm really excited about today's show. We have, a, we have an abbreviated show today, uh, but it will be a great one nonetheless. We have the new wine director for my favorite restaurant in New York only, uh, Gramercy Tavern. Uh, we have Justin Timzit here in the studio. Welcome to Heritage. Welcome to New York. Thank you're, you. You're, you came to New York for this job. Uh, tell us, how did that, how did that come to be? Wow, uh, pretty crazy story, actually. It started in Los Angeles originally, and that's where I was born and raised. I grew up, uh, spent most of my life there up until about three years ago and decided to really pursue wine as not just an interest and a hobby, but um, a career. It was something I was uh, insanely passionate about, uh, something I was raised around all the time. And so um, I took a huge chance pretty much left everything I knew behind in L.A. and um, was fortunate that uh, the Rittenhouse in Philadelphia gave me a chance uh, as someone who had really had no restaurant experience and then really just dove in headfirst, um, learned as much as I could from as many people as quickly as possible and uh, really just absolutely enjoyed every minute of it. And I think through the court of master sommeliers, getting to know John Reagan and Sabato and... um, and I think that restaurant group in general and just making friends in the industry, mm-hmm. it, it just all it all came together. Uh, we spoke and everything made sense. And uh, here I am. So, And so you changed careers. What was your previous career? I was in the fashion industry. I was selling men's dress shirts up and down the coast of California and all throughout the West Coast of the U.S. So I got to travel a lot, um, much different schedule, but it allowed me a lot of time to really pursue this as a passion of mine. So. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And then yeah. you decide, I'm, I'm just going to turn it around and 
jump into the restaurant industry. Why yeah, I, diff, di- what a different schedule, even like what different lifestyle change. Right, you know, little, little little did I know. Um, I think you know, as a as a young child growing up, my father always used to take us out to eat at, at fancy restaurants, and we were very fortunate to be well traveled uh, growing up. So we saw so many different restaurant experiences, and I think because of that. I had all of these steps of service that were naturally ingrained mm. in me um, so that when I was on the floor, I knew what made people tick and I knew what uh, what people really appreciated in a, in a fine dining experience. So I think a lot of things um, surprisingly came naturally to me. So, yeah, I think uh, I think getting into the restaurant side of things um, was something that I just realized after spending a little bit of time on the floor at a friend's restaurant in Los Angeles that, uh, wow, I actually really enjoy, I enjoy this and I really enjoy sharing, um, these experiences with guests and, you know, the ability to kind of look at a guest's experience at the beginning of the night and, and having an opportunity to impact that towards the end of their night is pretty special. And when you were, when you first started in the restaurant in Philadelphia, uh, you told me that you used to come up to New York and try to network and learn and, and pick some people's brains. Like, how'd you even get the idea to do that? And have, tell us about how that happened. Yeah. Um, it seems like a brilliant idea to me. I, I probably spent a little more on, on train fare than I did on rent at the time, but I felt that New York is, and always has been, um, the place to be for the restaurant industry and, um, really to learn about the beverage world and in Philadelphia, which is a, a city in a state that's controlled by um, a liquor board, it makes it a little bit more challenging to have access to all of these special tastings. And And we all know New York is just this central hub for all of these great producers. When they come into the United States, they come to New York. Mm-hmm. So if I really wanted the exposure, I felt like I needed to spend more time in New York. And by doing that, I got to meet a lot of really, really great people, incredibly talented sommeliers who um, had an uh, integral part in in my upbringing, uh, even in this very short career. So uh, I I definitely am thankful that I made the decision to come to New York fairly often. Now, what is it like to take over a legendary wine program from someone who has so much, you know, so much goodwill? I think everyone... Loves to death, Julia Pope. Uh, Definitely, she you know she has uh, she has an incredible legacy and history there, and um, you know there, there's not a night that goes by in the restaurant where I don't hear some of the most remarkable things about her, and um, you know, and even Paul before her, and mm-hmm. I think just the restaurant group in general, uh, those are the kind of people that um, that that they breed. I mean, it's it's really that type of an environment, so. Uh, I have the most admiration for for Juliet. I think, you know, taking on a program like this has been really eye-opening, especially in a time like now, because we are going through such a transition as a restaurant. Um, It's almost like we're opening a new restaurant within a restaurant that's already been there for 23 years. And that's a transition to gratuity included? Correct. Uh, yes, we like to say hospitality, hospitality included. included so nicer, we're, yeah. we're transitioning. We have transitioned now into a hospitality included world where, you know, that means a lot of changes for uh, for the team and for, um, you know, scheduling and for really all the ins and outs 
of running a restaurant are we're looking at a little bit differently now. Mm-hmm. You so. know, as a diner who doesn't like doing math, especially after a nice meal, like I understand, I can totally, I love it. I think it's so nice to just sign and just walk out. Uh, as someone who's operated restaurants, I could I could see there there are challenges both from your guests. You've had regulars who've mm-hmm. probably been there hundreds of times mm-hmm. or used to things in a, in a certain way. It seems like such a, a big undertaking changing the culture of, of a restaurant. I can, I, when you said it's like opening up a new restaurant, it, it makes sense. What I'm curious about is how do you approach wine pricing when it comes to that? Because I know that all of the, the menu price the dishes will probably go up 20%, 23%, give or take, right up and down. But wine seems like it might be it might be a different approach than, than food to me. Sure. But, uh, how, do, how do you that's a, look at that? That's a great question. I think it really comes down to um, understanding your program at a very, very deep level uh, and knowing where you have the potential to maybe um, drive prices down a little bit uh, you know, and, and look at a few areas where you know you need to make your margin. But there is this, there is this threshold, I think, that most consumers come into the restaurant and see on a menu whether it's you know, the $20 or above by the glass price, which seems to be a little bit... Um, uh, taboo for people, mm-hmm. although not so much in New York. But I feel like there's a specific uh, price point that once you cross over, people say, "Oh, wow, that's you know they're really expensive." So we, I think, it, we just have to be sensitive to how we price our, our by the glass. That's the most visible part of our program, right? That's and that's what, that's the big driver of your. Cost that's the driver. Well. That's the driver of our program in general. So sure. it, would you agree? That, I mean, it's always been you get a better value as a diner if you if you order a bottle of wine. But I think maybe especially in the way things are going today financially, like people, if they want the best value eating a restaurant, order a bottle of wine. Yes, absolutely. I think uh, there's specific categories within each restaurant where every restaurant knows where they have to make their money. And it's normally not on, you know, bottles of coat roti. It's usually on bottles of Russian River Valley Pinot Noir. Right. I mean, if if we really look at what people are coming into the restaurant ordering, um, that's what I mean when I say really diving into your program at a very deep understanding, where you might be able to to take a little bit of a hit on those really neat grower champagnes that you'd like to show that don't move that frequently, or, so it's right. not going to affect you, right? Or yeah. that you know that vertical of Tompier that you have on your wine list. I feel like. There's opportunity for uh, for us to really showcase uh, really great value for the right people that are paying attention. Where our wine list really can seem very well priced and affordable, even in an HI hospitality included world. HI, yeah, I like that's good. always good to be get some insider acronyms. <laughs> just so yeah. used to, I just can't. I just uh, I just left the meeting this morning, and that's we're throwing around the lingo. Wow. So I apologize for my. Well, thank uh, you for abbreviation. Yeah, I know you're going back <laughs> after this, so thank you for running out to, to Bushwick to see us and headed back. Um, so, have you started to make your own mark on the list, or are you still at a maintaining and learning kind of phase? That's a great question. Yes. Uh, slowly but surely. I think the priority for us now is really um, driving this this new this this new idea that hospitality is now a part of who we are. It's not um, anything in addition to an experience. It's um, that culture 
uh, and the culture that we've been known for for 23 years is so important for us to maintain. The wine list will evolve. I think one thing we'd like to see more of is um, I love American wine. I love wines from California. I love wines from Oregon, from Washington, and even here in our backyard in New York. I'd love to see our program really uh, develop those those areas and and really really showcase American wine the same way we showcase American cuisine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's important for the two to, to speak the same language and. I'm I'm really excited at some of the some of the recent purchases and additions to the list have been primarily American. It makes sense. I mean, a, a tavern seems like such an American dining institution, a Gramercy Tavern that seems purely like truly American to me, and so a new emphasis on on some of those wines. Sure, falls I think in there, right? I think every everybody knows we have uh, great Riesling, thanks to um, you know thanks to I think uh, everything that. Uh, Paul had bought for the list, and, and uh, I know that Juliet had continued that, and I, I plan to continue that too, um, some of my favorite wine to drink in the world. But I think taking it a step further from there, expanding on uh, champagnes and other category, I'd like mm-hmm. to see expand a little bit. Um, and then wines that really fit that, that tavern model, wines that are really approachable, fun, easy to drink, um, that aren't necessarily too serious, but can be if you'd like them to be. I think Beaujolais is a category that, that yes. fits that mold. Um, wines from Loire Valley, I think, is, is an area where we'll see a little bit of expansion. But we'll always stay true to the classics. We'll always have great Burgundy. We'll always have great Bordeaux. We'll always have great Riesling and Champagne. Um, but I think the, the, the direction from there and strengthening the program even further is, is American wine, for it's sure. It's American wine, further mm-hmm. Domain offers discreet and secure storage, transportation, trading, and advisory services to passionate fine wine collectors worldwide. Since 2003, they've focused on making collecting easier and more enjoyable. With over 1.8 million bottles in storage across five facilities, Domain is the largest network of wine storage warehouses in the country. Warehouses are located in Chicago, St. Louis, Metro New York, Napa, and Washington, D.C., with refrigerated shipment hubs in dozens of cities. Their service also extends to the home collector. In the last decade, the team has organized and inventoried more than 1.7 million bottles in home sellers across the globe. Additionally, Domain offers auction services to clients with small and large parcels alike, negotiates on their behalf for the best possible price, and manages the entire liquidation process. Go to DomainStorage.com to complete an online questionnaire, and someone will get back to you within one business day. Are there some areas or producers that you're really excited about that you're like, ah, oh, this, you know, anytime I'm, you know, working on a wine program, I need to have this. Sure. Uh, Recently, um, and I think just based on how I've gotten here, uh, I think Sashi Mormon is, is making some of the most incredible wine in, in America. Mm-hmm. Um, so many, so many uh, hats that he wears. I mean, through everything he's done with Saltman. Uh, to his own label with Piedra Sassi, um, to his uh, partnership with Raj Parr, with Sa- uh, Sandy Domaine de la Cote in Santa Rita Hills, and then also now what they're doing in Oregon, I think is really exciting with Evening Land and mm-hmm. really taking that over. Um, love the wines, love the style. I think for uh, my philosophy of food and wine, I feel like those wines always have a place um, in programs that I've been a part of. Yes. So that would that would be one producer. I think I'm really starting to look at um, 
I'm really starting to look at a lot of wines from the Central Coast very seriously in California. Um, and Aola Amity Hills is, I think, quickly becoming the most intriguing AVA in Oregon for me. It's pretty incredible the types of flavors and complexity you can get from these wines. Um, just that that level of freshness and kind of saltiness that you get in Chardonnay uh, is really interesting to explore. I heard Larry mention um, uh, Ken Paolo, amazing mm-hmm. winemaker in Aola Amity Hills for Walter Scott. Those wines are incredible. So, And uh, I'm going to finish on one quick question. What What differences have you noticed about the New York wine market, both from the, uh, the sommeliers in the industry to, to the guests, uh, versus Philadelphia? Uh, what differences have I noticed? Yeah. Is it, it's such a small, I guess, a, a section of what, you know, what you're seeing at, at Gramercy versus like the, you know, the whole, but in terms of like people are interested in wine, wine drinkers. Sure. I think in New York, people are, are much more, uh, willing to take a risk and they're much more open to trying something new or outside the box that they haven't tried before. Um, Philadelphia is Philadelphia may be a little bit like that. I feel like there's not as much uh, access. So in, it's not it's not their fault. It's the state's fault. Let's say. Sure. <laughs> if we yeah. If yeah. we if we need a scapegoat, I would say let's blame it on the state. Yeah. Um, but they don't have as much access to these intriguing wines that you find in wine shops in New York, mm-hmm. where. At the at the PLCB in in Pennsylvania, it's really up to the state to stock the shelves. So, if they're not buying it, if they're not interested in it, then consumers might not be exposed to it. And I feel like in New York, where you have all these individual wine retailers, um, you really find all of these different styles of of retail shops where you can really dive in um, and get to know producers and styles very intimately. Great. Yeah. All right. This has been Justin Timson, the new wine director of the of my favorite restaurant in New York City, Gramercy Tavern. He's taking over a really big corkscrew from uh, Juliet Pope, and from what everyone can is everyone's been saying so far, what I can tell, doing an outstanding job. Go visit Justin at Gramercy if you can get in. You can. It's really great. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you so much. Uh, I also want to give a shout out to uh, a new show on Heritage Radio Network. It's called Speaking Broadly. I've listened to both of the episodes. Uh, the, the host is Dana Cowan. Um, she was a former editor in chief of Food and Wine magazine, uh, someone who is just uh, a wealth of knowledge and is having some of the most interesting women in the food industry on her show. It is outstanding. I highly recommend it. And it comes on right after this. Uh, So thanks so much for listening. This has been In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.